Welcome to this episode of the show, everybody. <laughs> I think the official start is right now, but we've been going for a while. There is going to be a periodic beeping in the background, and I'm going to be honest with you. It's the dishwasher in this hotel room, and I don't know how to change it, and I don't want to call the front desk and ask someone to come look at it. So think of it as like the beginning of that Odessa song. I forget the name of it. It was the beginning of a whole album where they talked about this Russian cosmonaut. There was a screw that had gotten loose on the space shuttle or something, and it was bouncing around, and it she, he had one of two choices. And this is actually a great intro. Either go insane because he can't do anything about it, the screw bouncing around somewhere he couldn't get to in space, right? So zero G. It's infinitely bouncing. Or fall in love with the sound. Mm. And he chose to fall in love with the sound. You gotta think of that title yeah. <laughs> so we can listen to that yeah. afterwards. I'll, I'll play okay. it. So what I encourage the audience to do is to fall in love with the beeping of the dishwasher in the background of this episode. And by the way, if you're a returning listener and you love anything that I do, please go rate and review the show on whatever platform you're listening to it on. Welcome to the show, Chloe Hambanyales. Thank you so much for having me, Skip. Here, let me tilt that for you. There you go. Now Thanks. we're good. And the closer you get, the more intimate it gets. Mm. So if you have big messages, you just whisper when you come closely. The land even easier into our mind. Absolutely. So that being said, the whole episode today, because this is technically episode number two with Chloe. If you go to episode number one, which was May or April this year, I think, we talked a lot about acupuncture, Chinese medicine, meridians. I got like basically a whole dictionary of things out of that episode. For this episode, you've since undergone, how long was this training you went to? It was a total of three weeks, and I spent two weeks assisting at a different training for neuro-linguistic programming to prepare myself for the three-week training. So a total of five weeks immersed in neuro-linguistic programming. And you shut down your business for this period of time. I put a pause. Yep. Yeah. Two months. Incredible to do this training. So very serious training. So that being said, why did you go and do this? Yeah, we were chatting about this a little bit earlier. NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, it can be defined as how to use the language of the mind to achieve consistent, successful results. Another way I like to define it is how the language of our mind impacts our nervous system or how the language of our mind, self-dialogue, the words we speak, also body language, how that impacts behavior, which of course then impacts results. Quick pause on that. Yeah. Does that mean that if I, there's that beautiful sound, does that mean that if I just shift my body language, maybe if you even gave like a tip of how to shift my body language in one positive way, if we could designate it as positive right now, like a general one, right? Like open up my shoulders, that that will actually impact things in my life that I may not be aware of that it's impacting. Like just by shifting that, it will also shift other things, whether I know it or not. Totally. So if anyone's watching or listening to this, they could try it along with you. So let's say they're sitting right now listening to this. If what they're sitting do? right now listening to this, go ahead and go into what would be an optimal posture. So maybe shoulders above the hips, you know, ears above the shoulders. And notice how you might feel a little bit more motivated, a little bit more open to learning. And then I want you to experience a contrast of that. Go ahead and slouch in your chair. 
maybe go into that concave we're on camera so this is great slouch your shoulders maybe like tuck your chin under and do your best to try to be motivated try to get inspired and notice how maybe that's a little bit more challenging in this position that you actually put your body in right very much so so they actually did research on this and they have a study where they had people go into those different positions they taught them something they gave them a lesson both students you know took notes in the way that they were supposed to and they found that the people who had the better posture were able to retain more recall more information and also in a more positive way comparatively to the people who were in a less of a good posture position that's so crazy to think about there might be so many things we could do like i could just build a checklist for myself of like which of those things am I doing, right? Absolutely. And think about even how our physical vision will impact the way that our mental and emotional vision plays a role in our experience. If you think about someone who is walking on the sidewalk and they're looking down on the time, how much of their environment are they missing if they're not looking up? How many people are they missing that they're passing by? And then how might their experience of walking from point A to B be in that position versus looking up, taking in their surroundings and allowing themselves to be in a different posture, holding their body in a different way. Whereas your journey from A to B could be a lot more enjoyable. It could spark more curiosity simply because of where you're focusing your attention and how you're holding your body. Incredible. So if I have like kind of like some swag while I walk, is that even better? You tell me. It sounds like you've tried this before. I, I mean, I love walking with swag. <laughs> I also think if you walk like a total clown, your journey from A to B will so, be so much more fun. Try it out and let us know. Yeah, yeah. Hit <laughs> us hit us in like DMs or something. Just slip into the DM. Let us know how that goes for you. What walking posture is most optimal for your entertainment? <laughs> mm. Totally. So you told me that you particularly went to this training because... It was some emotional technique that they were teaching. Remind me what this was. It was 200 people in a study in Vegas with this one doctor. Kind of walk me through what what this whole thing is. Absolutely. So mental emotional release. It was developed by Tad James, and he is the person who developed timeline therapy. And it's a brief form of therapy that utilizes different perceptual positions on one's timeline which we could chunk down in the way of your timeline is the way that your unconscious mind organizes memories. Holy crap. Okay. I just had like a moment. Yeah. So when we're like little kids, right. And we're scared of the dark Mm -hmm. and we are like, Oh, I like feel there's that beautiful noise. We feel that thing in the distance, like that creature, right. In the distance, in the closet or in the corner of the room. Maybe that's not, entirely false maybe they're doing like these subtle energetic awareness things that you're now teaching people to do and people train other people on as adults they are just unaware of what it means or could mean and they don't know they don't have like the tools to shift it or transmute it or anything like that potentially so let's see if this adds more context to that example If your timeline is how your unconscious mind organizes its memories, its memories from the past, and this could be your lifetime past, this could also be past lives, generational lives, that kind of idea. 
And then it organizes memories of the future. Memories of the future being what you project into your future because the future hasn't occurred yet, right? And so mental emotional release helps someone to have a, instead of emotionally charged experience in their past, it helps them to become neutral to it so that they can actually get the lessons and have a different kind of future. Because if you can imagine someone who is stuck in the past or keeps bringing moments from the past into their present, that's going to shift how they experience and think about the future. So what if we want different results now? It's usually not changing something now, it's cleaning up something in the past or putting something out into the future to influence now. It's like a big chunked up level quantum physics talks about we are what we are experiencing right now is a result of the interference from the past and the future so to change now we either deal with the past or the future does that make sense yeah incredible so i'm going to drop two analogies on here to just add layers of context so we can dive deeper so if people are lost (laughs) the way that i describe the way that your past and your future can impact you really easily if you're wondering is if you and i were to go to the grocery store the same grocery store at different times but get the exact same ingredients, get all the same things, interact with the same people, have even the same conversations with the same words and the same tonality, we're gonna have radically different experiences because of the way we perceive all of the things. Even if we both tripped over the same tile that was broken or something. Every time. Every time. We're gonna have radically different experiences because the way that we translate the things that are happening can be very different and our internal monologue can be very different and the emotions we're experiencing can be very different because of all of those things and what's going on with our body, right? And so you mentioned before, body language is a big part of it. The way you hold yourself, all of that is a big part of it. Also, your thoughts are a big part of it. Also, these emotional attachments to the past and future and the present are a big part of it, right? Or at least those influence the present. So that's one aspect of it. Now, the, the thing where you got into generational and like past lives and things like that the way that i most commonly translate that for people who have never heard of something like that and it sounds crazy is epigenetics and how and this has always been a fascinating topic for me actually as someone who has always wanted children where you're like every life experience that you go through is to some extent potentially encoded into your dna and into what you're going to pass on to your children, even if you've already had them, but especially if you're still yet to have them. So I think about like every epic thing that I do is adding to their potential. And every traumatic experience I have is also adding to what I might be giving them, right? So all deep experiences are adding to their potential future. And so now you and I and everyone listening to this are experiencing some of those things potentially from their parents, their grandparents. And I think it's six or seven generations they talk about, right? As like a norm, but it can be much longer. Absolutely. And to circle that back to your original question, mental emotional release is a clinically proven technique to release negative emotions and limiting beliefs. And clinically proven, this has been through academia and clinical studies the one that i was sharing with you about was done by dr patrick scott in las vegas he has a very busy clinic he has 2000 active patients as a previous clinician you know that's a big deal it's a huge deal 
So he actually did a study on this because he found mental emotional release and was like, why aren't more people doing this? The studies aren't there. So people were a little bit hesitant. He's like, okay, I'll do my own. And so it was a sample size of 200 people. And there were two groups, cognitive behavioral therapy only and CBT and mental emotional release. The group that had the mental emotional release, 100% success rate with releasing depression. They followed up five years later, no relapses, no return of symptoms. And this is huge for those who often find themselves, I know my journey was a little bit more so like three to five months of moving through that versus anywhere from an eight hour session or maybe eight hour sessions over a course of like two, three, six months kind of idea with no relapse, which is really, really powerful. So when I heard about that stat, when I heard about mental emotional release back in 2017, I was at my first NLP level one practitioner training and they were like, yeah, this happens at level two. You get to learn this. I was like, I need to learn this. This is that next part because I was in my second semester of acupuncture school and I actually almost dropped out after learning that something like that existed. I was like, I got to go learn that. I mean, that's my journey. And my parents, thank goodness, were like, please don't drop out. Please don't drop out. Get your license, then do whatever you want. And I was like, okay. And I got my master's and then enrolled in the doctorate on the last day of the master's program. So that added a couple more years. And then as of 2021, 2021, finally got to learn mental emotional release and have witnessed phenomenal changes in the that I've been able to support in myself and what I so appreciate is that it doesn't require the participant the client to relive the past experiences especially for those who might have PTSD experiences this is really important because we don't want to stir it up cause even more trauma and it also gets the root and that's the special that's the that's the real big differentiator with this specific technique it gets the root of the problem that's why it might be generational it might be past life and for anyone who doesn't resonate with the past life it might be just how your unconscious mind organizes the information so it's just in that life kind of idea and as opposed to finding anything like past life is just us organizing something that's hard to organize otherwise like we were talking about before but i don't think we said on the episode is giving something a name Mm -hmm. and organizing something can relieve so much pressure of things right yeah technically a label is a word or a combination of words that describe internal that have a internal representation of something going on externally around you so your label for something might be different than my label for the very same thing someone's representation of a croissant who is from France, it's like, that is not a croissant. If they were to look at this. <laughs> this is that not thing. a croissant to you? Because their label is different. Their internal representation, their mental picture is going to be different from yours or mine. I actually do have a French friend who said that they've seen this and they said that this is not a croissant. It's a, it's like a, it was like a pound de chocolat or something like that. They gave oh, it a different name. Okay. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, that's that's not a croissant, but you can call it a croissant, <laughs> Skip. So 
For that being said, for the rest of this episode, anytime we reference past lives, you can call it something else if you would like to. And we can call it that. And I have this wonderful also diag- or like a clinical methodology that I go by, which is I translate people's words in my own head mm. so that I can learn from them. Neat. Yeah. We should give that a name. What would you name it? The Skiptionary. Clever. I yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah. We, you can have your own Skiptionary with your own words that you would prefer to hear. And every time we say past life, you can translate it to organizing knowledge that's in, unexplained by current circumstances in my current life. Beautifully put. Yeah. So enjoy your Skiptionary. That's word number one. If I hear anything else, we'll, <laughs> we'll put more things into the Skiptionary. Perfect. Mm. Okay, so in your experience of working with people with this, how long does it take to, let's just say depression, because that was the main thing that you referenced. How long does it take working with them to help them discover a, a new way? Through the process of what is described as a breakthrough session, this was also created by Tad James's son, Matt James, who I learned from. A breakthrough session involves utilizing mostly mental emotional release and it takes care of or it helps someone move through and release the five big emotions that would be anger fear sadness hurt guilt and if any other emotions came up that felt important for them to release to find that neutrality to find their peace then we would also do the process with that and each emotion takes anywhere depends on each person anywhere from eight to ten minutes to release yeah and is that in general or relation to a particular experience in general eight to ten minutes to do one emotion eight to ten minutes to do one emotion because consider this the number one prime directive of the unconscious mind is to preserve the body so when you give conscious permission for your unconscious mind to release something that is not congruent with preserving the body, something like a repressed or suppressed emotion, where studies and research now is showing that unresolved anger, unresolved sadness actually impacts whether it's the immune system or heart disease or liver health. So the unconscious mind wants to release the emotion. Conscious mind is like, not safe what will people think i don't like crying whatever it is so when the person is ready the person is ready there's a great example that many people share as far as like how fast did it take you to go from unhappy to happy and it's pretty instantaneous right however the lead up to getting ready for that that's the actual time that it takes for example having gone through losing my grandfather last year, I wasn't going to do this technique right afterwards. It was not to just like, I'm not going to feel this. It's not how that works. It's for those unresolved emotions. It's time and place when the person is ready to let go of something that is more so of the emotional baggage kind of criteria where I love how Dr. Giovanni Machiocha says it. He's a big author, proponent of Chinese medicine. He says, you know, it's not so great. It's emotional baggage when 
We do not possess the emotions, but the emotions possess us. When we act in disproportionate emotions, reactions relative to what's happening in front of us, that could be like really intense road rage. It could be like crying excessively when you watch Moana, whatever it might be. (laughs) And so in one session, someone will go through one, two, three of these potentially? So they'll go through all five emotions. So that'll be in one session. So the breakthrough session is anywhere from five to eight hours. Wow. I like to split it between two days to give each person, myself and the other client. There's got to be a lead up to this, right? Where they're like discussing the reasons. Okay, cool. And they, and I'm assuming they can say whether or not they're ready to release a particular one. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Whether it's NLP, whether it's acupuncture any coaching i cannot do anything to someone else that is going to violate their boundaries Mm. and something that's it it probably won't work in that scenario right if they don't want it to work then there's really cool nlp techniques where someone can actually switch their association like how they like a certain food item say you really need it to give up croissants and we switched it to what's something you don't like um horseradish horseradish and we switched it up in your mind where every time you thought of croissants you would think of horseradish so there's techniques like that in nlp that can be very helpful for someone to let go of something like coffee for example however if they don't actually want to give up coffee it will not work it will not work so the want and the desire we were having a good conversation about that before the desire to create change to receive change to actually move through what would be the clinical obstacle, one could say it's an opportunity, is the difference that makes the difference. Yes. And we've been using this one word that I realized I skiptionary, and the word is release. Mm. And the word that I like to use with this lately, the word that feels like really great for me, and I'm not an NLP practitioner or a scientist of any kind or a doctor, the word that I use is, um, I, I, tran- I translate it to a lot of things. So when I think of like releasing anger, like let's say road rage, right? Someone does something crazy on the road and I'm like, okay, I'm going to release. Instead of release, I go, okay, I'm going to like allow this emotion to move into something else because energy can't be created or destroyed is like kind of my backing for that. And I just say, okay, if I'm currently feeling anger, that's a certain amount of energy and this energy can be moved into any other energy. So I can kind of almost play with it. I'll be like, oh, I'm going to let that anger become grief. Mm. Oh, there's that thing I'm so deeply sad about. Mm, It like hurts a little bit. And then I can like move that energy over to like joy. And I can like start like I literally people know I'll just be like, yeah, like in the middle of nowhere. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. I was just moving energy. I was just just felt like doing that. And so you can move these energies. So when I think of releasing, it's as if the way that I visualize it and this is the scriptionary is that there's this stuckness of mm. that energy that wants it's just sitting in this one emotion where it could be swimming into all of the others. I, I think of Moana and like dolphins, those like spirit dolphins, you know, or the manta ray with her grandmother. Yeah. Oh, like swimming through all these other emotions. And so that's when I think about releasing, I really think about it like that. Like, can I just take this energy that's in this one area and move it through other areas? Totally. And it sounds like you have the neat thing about what even that you gave as an example is how 
in the process of a breakthrough session, we do start with anger because it is a very much so movement-oriented emotion. In Chinese medicine, it is what causes qi to rise. You could think of or imagine, picture someone being hot-headed or their fists clenched. They're, they're moving upward. The qi is moving upward for them if they're angry. And the reason why we start with that is because it is that big emotion. And then when we help someone to release it, to surrender, to let go of that emotion, the root cause of that emotion, then what usually pops up next is sadness. And that's the next emotion that we go to. And in Chinese medicine, sadness has more of a dissolving function on the qi. So if someone's really sad, they might slouch their shoulders. They might notice it being a little bit more difficult to take a breath, that kind of idea. And then after that is fear and then hurt and then guilt. So there's an order because of the different movement of the emotions that they typically have for most people. And depending on which ones were more prevalent for certain people will influence how they feel after the session. Some people are like, oh my gosh, you're so tired. What was going on? So that might mean that might mean that they were using more or suppressing more anger, more fear, more like of the sympathetic kind of emotions and living off of those essentially. So after surrendering those, it's like, well, <laughs> I gotta recalibrate. And the others who were maybe had a lot of unresolved grief. Also, can we quickly skip generic sympathetic and parasympathetic? Totally. And that's really more defining it. doesn't have to shift it. So sympathetic <laughs> is like intense go 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 nervous system activation this is really great when you're in sport it's really great when you're performing um and it's like high energy and you're alert and like it's when sort of like fight or flight might be useful and then there's parasympathetic which is rest and recover it's calmness it's when it's really okay to just be at peace there's no like immediate danger or immediate thing you need to be alert for. It's like maybe when you wake up in the morning and you're like, mm, mm, like where's <laughs> it's like when you've eaten three of these croissants all whole, which I may have done at one point, And you're like, oh, if, like if a if a robber were to attack me right now, I would just roll over on my back like a dog. <laughs> just like, not the croissants. Yeah, just take anything. Take anything you want. So when we say sympathetic, we think like fight or flight on go 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 we say parasympathetic we mean like calm at peace gentle cool one way that i remembered it was parasympathetic i took apart the para and thought of bada so like stop in spanish so slow down mm. that's how i remembered it beautiful scriptionary yes <laughs> so what were we getting into right there the different emotions and the order of release and that. And a lot of people are also functioning on the sympathetic system a lot, right? Like if you find yourself in life and you're like, go, go, go. I, and sitting still is a challenge or sitting still is uncomfortable, right? Maybe there's a lot of that sympathetic activation. Mm -hmm. And I once heard, I forget who, some health guru say, you know, you're healthy when you can go from high intensity activation like that to chilling on the couch at, with ease and the shifting between those two things, like a lion, right? What I hear is resiliency, flexibility, agility, big time. And that's a great theme for health and other areas of life where can you 
Many of us have our kitchens, we have the way we cook things, we have our water filter. And what happens when you go travel? Can you hold that resiliency enough to be able to try new things, new foods where you don't know every single ingredient? How is your body going to respond? How does your mind respond? That kind of idea. So that resilience is really a great marker to check into, tune into, keep track of. I'm I'm kind of getting a visual or like a a, a a a beep sound. Maybe that beep sound is triggering this, but I'm getting a beep sound in the in the background of my heart right now, saying maybe everybody should do one of these breakthrough sessions at least once in their life as an adult. Like maybe past twenty five do one of these just to see what could change right just to have like an awareness because i think you know when i was younger and i heard like repressed emotions or numbing emotions which i was definitely that guy i'm probably still that guy because you don't know what you don't know right i'm not aware of what i'm not aware of until you're aware of it right yeah and when i hear that when i was younger i was like it's probably not a thing because like I'm generally a happy person, right? Until your resilience is challenged and something traumatic happens or something very challenging happens or maybe you're just tired one day and someone says the wrong thing and you notice this complete overreaction of energy in your body and you're like, why am I suddenly feeling crazy amounts of anxiety or fear or anger at this person or myself or the situation right and why, why can't i just step away from it or have like more of a witness uh consciousness about it all we maybe we should skip scenario that well consider that as far as the why so the why would be because you're not only reacting to the situation in front of you you're reacting to the frustration there and all the frustration that you previously haven't dealt with that has happened before and maybe beyond your lifetime as well. So because that string of pearls almost has been kind of shaken up because of the present event, it's activating the entire string of pearls. Everything related to frustration gets activated versus just you being present with the frustration in front of you. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So this goes both ways too, right? When I think about what we skipped about past lives or epigenetics, the talents that we have in life, the gifts that we have are partially from whatever we've cultivated in this lifetime, the skills that we've built, the experiences we've had, and also what's been passed down, some of these gifts. And maybe also what, if we're organizing it as past lives in our brains, has been passed forward, right? Or around or backwards or however you want to think about that, which can get really totally. crazy really fast. So it's interesting. Do you have a process? So I talk about this thing like getting to peace. So in the dojo, we help people heal their own physical injuries, which is what I call getting to peace. That's just neutral. That's actually, you get a little clap for that. You get a lot more clap for getting to a place of what I call power or resilience or strength or capability or competency, right? Capacity. Another way to think of it is like getting to a place of coherence where you're at an equilibrium and then getting to a place of increasing your capacity. So being able to do a 60 second handstand or being able to sprint for a, a mile in six minutes, right? Those are like, that's not being fit. That's being an athlete. That's really pushing the bounds of, of what's possible for you or 
becoming a, a decamillionaire, right? People could become a millionaire. It's it's a challenge in America, but it's possible. Becoming a decamillionaire, that's that's a bigger challenge or a centimillionaire or a billionaire, right? Those are even bigger challenges. And um, and maybe we could even change the word challenge to like adventures, mm. right? Those are bigger adventures to take on or journeys that you could go on for fun. And if it's for fun, you're probably gonna have a great time doing it. We can talk about intentions too, which would be beautiful. So all that being said, a lot of what we've talked about at this point, these breakthrough sessions and dealing with these five emotions is bringing people to a place of peace where they now have the potential to move into power and resiliency. What do we do once we're in peace? How do we, like, let's say a lot of the people listening right now probably feel like they're in a place of peace, which is a beautiful thing. And I probably my guests, I would hope you've listened to all the shows and you've gotten to a place of peace at minimum by now, if not totally like you're bursting into butterflies because you're just so transcendent. How do they go from here to even more? Absolutely. That's a great question. So there's something that I like to teach my clients. And this is something I learned from Dr. Matt James, who I learned NLP from, and it's the four requisites for change. Number one is release any kind of emotional baggage. Another way I like to put it myself is to clear the space, tie up any loose ends. So if this person listening right now, watching right now, they've done that, they're at peace. Cool. I have a blank slate. I have space for new to come in. Awesome. Let's create clarity on what you do want to come in. So that looks like creating clarity on who you might want to be, what you might want to do, what you might want to have. I do recommend starting with who you want to be because that influences every other thing. Can you give us an example like for you? Like what is that what is that statement or series of statements look like? Who do you want to be? Absolutely. So for me a great example I could give is I am stepping into a role of teacher a little bit more. So with mental and emotional release, I'm actually creating a certification program for specifically healthcare professionals to get this into the hands of more healthcare professionals who are already working with patients, already working with clients to support them through the journey of whether it's depression, anxiety, et cetera. So stepping into that role, I know that I need to be a teacher. I need to be a little bit different than who I am today, which allows me more room to grow. So the actions that I'm going to take are going to take me closer to being that person. The actions that I'm going to take are going to help me have the things that I want to have. A successful certification program, running events, et cetera, et cetera. Now let's say you're in that place of peace and you decide you're gonna now move even further into that, that journey of becoming more you, right? And you say you want to be a teacher and you want to do the certification, but then there's a voice that pops up and that voice is like, mm, maybe it's not you though. Maybe you're not the person. Maybe there's someone better. Maybe you should just help somebody else do it. Totally. Where do you go from there? I like to, so that voice does come up. It doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. The voice might come up and I like to remember that I am not my thoughts. We are not our thoughts. So I get to observe the thought, question it, kind of play with it just like you do with the emotions. Like, oh, that's really cool. That's interesting. Where's that coming from? Is that mine? Huh? How can I think about it in a different way? In a different way that actually resonates with who I know I am. And I'm grateful to have been on the journey of 
really finding who I am and being okay with the ever evolving journey of who I am. So when that thought comes up, I question it. I think about, is it actually true? Because maybe other thoughts could have some validity to them. Something like what you mentioned and be like, okay, it's not actually true. And then something that is also very helpful is once you identify it as not true, not a part of yourself is to find evidence for what you know is true. So this is where you refocus your attention. So, okay, I do have evidence of this and this, you know, evidence A, evidence B. Oh my goodness, look, evidence C, D, and E. Oh, of course it's not true. And then that starts to rewire the way that I would approach everything. Simply because my perception has changed and I'm refocusing my attention. As the quote goes, where you, your attention where you place your attention, energy flows. In Chinese medicine, we could say where you place your attention, chi flows. Same thing, same differences. Absolutely. Okay, so now you've established that you want to be a teacher. And then you said have and do. Were those the other things? Totally. So in Western, typical Western society, we're taught that we need to focus on what we want to have. Of have, course. have, have. Of course. I want a helicopter. Of course. Not really though, but... <laughs> <laughs> they're fun and it's usually a little backwards from the have do be so what i like to invite people to consider is to instead of starting with the have start with the be who do you want to be and from an energetic standpoint this is the creation energy who you are being is more of the creation energy and then that influences what you will do this is the transformation energy and you know what to do because you know who you are and who you want to be and then you know what to do and then you will have what you want to have versus let me go after the helicopter i don't know what to do because i actually have no idea how to get it versus i am the person who drives the helicopter the helicopter you could tell i don't have one yet and i'm the person who has a helicopter i'm going to talk to my friend who has one and then all these thoughts start to change so that then you have more direction than what you want to do so that you can have what you want to have. And that's a big part of the healing journey that I do with clients as far as we might have a symptom or a collection of symptoms and we are not those symptoms. We are not the diagnosis. When we change who we believe we are, it's going to change our perception of our life experience because one of the main themes of neurolinguistic programming, NLP, is perception is interpretation. So perception is interpretation. We have a picture in our mind for everything. If I say something like New York, you're going to have a picture come into your mind. You're going to picture New York in your own way that you picture New York. I'm going to picture it in a different way. Someone else might be like, oh my goodness, way too much energy. Not my place. I love talking to Jen today and she's like, I love New York. The energy is great. So her picture in her mind, different. And so because she has that internal representation, that mental picture in her mind, her perception, her experience of New York will be different. If someone, if two people get injured on the soccer field, one of them, they both sprain their ankles. One of them is like, oh my gosh, this always happens to me before the next game. This always happens to me great now this is ruined this is ruined this is ruined so their perception is like nothing else works for me i can't get anything right one person sprains their ankle and they're like whoa i'm glad it wasn't my knee or okay 
this is a setback and I can really work on, you know, focusing on my upper body strength. I'll watch my tapes, still stay in the game mentally. And so when I'm healed, I'm back with a vengeance. I'm even better than before I got injured. So their perception is going to influence their healing and also how they are on the other side of that healing completing. Wow. I've got two math. That was incredible, by the way. And I've got two massive questions that are coming up in this in this whole category. Number one, I'm going to take a 90 degree turn and say, so I've been doing the posture since we mentioned it in the beginning, right? The body <laughs> language thing. I hope you all have been doing it too, as you've been listening, even if you're walking around and whatnot. And let me ask you, this isn't happening for me, but I could see how if I held this for a lot longer, it would begin to happen where I would get fatigued and I'd want to start to change postures. Is that just physical or is that also emotional where my body has like a certain thermostat it wants to go back to with my posture and with my energy or is it more of just my muscles are fatiguing or is that there's no disconnect it's both so i'll share my answer and i'd be curious to hear yours it's unlikely that it'll be one or the other in chinese medicine mind and body are inseparable Many of the feats that we see so many of our elite athletes perform are a result of a very strong mental game. The difference between milliseconds to win a race or just the little turn of a hand to hit that racket in exactly that right angle is a big time mental game. And so it's not either or, it's definitely both. And when it comes to the fatigue part, it would be a matter of, hey, this is something a little bit new. Let's have a little bit of compassion for ourselves and remember that things that are so natural for us now, maybe were so new to us at one point. So as we try on different postures, try on new ways of being, remember that this is the first time and next time won't be the first time. And each time that you progress, it can get better and better as you focus on the little shifts that could make it a little bit more automatic, a little bit more unconscious, that kind of idea. And what I'm hearing you say is, okay, so let's say I get tired and then I I go back to like what a normal posture might be, right? And then I'm like, wow, that's so much to think about all the time to keep thinking about this body language stuff and then keep thinking about skiptionaring the right words and then keep thinking about shifting my perspective so that I have an empowering perspective over everything that happens in my life. And that might seem like a lot for some people. What I've also heard you say in this conversation I'm starting to put together is maybe that's because I don't have enough space Mm -hmm. and maybe I need to clear some space in my room by moving some of these emotions that are taking up space that I don't necessarily need in there. I can move those and organize those into the cupboards so I have more space to think about all these beautiful things you're teaching me and how I can make those automatic Mm -hmm. and have more space to be thinking about them. And instead of saying, wow, that's so much to think about, it could suddenly translate to or skiptionary to, wow, it's so cool that I learned all these new things and I can just write them down and 
give myself some forgiveness. And anytime I see those things written down on my fridge or on my phone, put them on the background of my phone, I can just remember to do those. And if I can just remember to do those sometimes, it will become more and more automatic and I'll become more and more myself and empowered and more and more in that beautiful state rather than whatever I was before and even more beautiful state, you know? Totally. Two things with that. One would be we have a really cool NLP technique that actually can help someone install a behavior that they would like to have. I've done this with clients who would like to change the way they wake up. For example, instead of reaching for coffee first thing in the morning, we helped to install the behavior of them reaching for water and drinking a full glass of water and going out for a walk before coffee. Easy. Instead of like, let me put it into my habit tracker. Super duper cool. The other thing to give voice to is that we can only hear what we're ready to hear. And what I mean by that is there's a great metaphor that my teacher Matt uses and he shares an example of how he was having lunch with a student and they kept asking him the same question in many different ways. Maybe this has happened to you before. And at one point he was like, okay, wait, I want to show you something. And he grabs a cup, he places it on the table, he fills it with water, and then grabs another cup of water. And then he pours it into the full glass of water. And he says, do you see what's happening here? The glass is overflowing because it's too full. It can't take any more water in. You have to dump the water out in order to have new water come in. So if someone is overloaded with too many bits, too many information, they're asking many, many questions they they don't actually have the space to receive the answers for. That could be a good indication that it's time to clean out the closet physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever that looks like, so that there is space for the new to come in. Is there some simple at-home thing I can do occasionally to just clean the closet? Like if I just want to incorporate that on like a weekly basis, what does an exercise look like to clean my closet, you know, <laughs> mentally, emotionally? Totally. I mean, I'll try to clean my real closet too, but <laughs> you know, that's a whole separate task. Totally. And some will say that outside it's feng shui that's going to reflect the inner world. And so at a mental and emotional level, whether this looks like for those who do feel comfortable with sitting in a meditation, allowing themselves to visualize almost like a white mist, or some people like to make it a sparkly mist, whatever works for you is perfect allowing them to visualize the inhale coming down from the top of their head all the way through their body just pulling anything any imbalances around them or within them down to be sent back to earth super easy way to ground create little spaces come back to a harmony within them it's actually a process that i take all my clients through during each or at the beginning of each session just a grounding process allow us to come back to the present moment now there's that if someone is a little bit more kinesthetic, maybe it looks like setting up a ritual for them where they go to the beach or they go on a walk around the block and they set the intention. They set the, the intention to, by the end of this walk, by the end of when I come back home, when I walk through this door, I walk through this door as a new person. I let go of anything that's not serving me anymore. Remember that your unconscious mind, the number one prime directive is to preserve the body. It also listens to direct orders. So being clear with, okay, I'm going to release what is no longer serving me. And I'm going to use my walking, use my movement to really move it through my body. Let it go. 
dance if you want to, just like Skip was mentioning at the beginning, and then come back home. That can be a great ritual. I know for me, going to the ocean, feeling, noticing, feeling the waves wash away things that I might be conscious of, unconscious of, feels so good. We could also talk about the negative ions that happen at nature and all that grounding aspect. That's kind of the, the really cool part about being an NLP practitioner with a doctor of Chinese medicine. That's like the fascinating duality, which is why you now you're creating that certification, right? Mm-hmm. For other health professionals to incorporate these types of things because it they're inextricably linked, right? So you said something fascinating that I have to touch on. And you said <laughs> the mind loves, well, A, it's unconscious priorities to preserve the body, right? And then you said it loves direct commands. Let's talk about direct commands for the body. The one that you referenced was by the end of this walk, I will, you know, move or release, or you can set intentions like that. And intention could be a direct command, right? What are some really great moving from peace to power or resilience commands Hmm. that people can just do like right now? Like I'm just thinking like we could just riff on like direct commands where you could say like, and I think we've all done this in our lives, but maybe we didn't have the awareness that we were necessarily using all the things that you've talked about in this entire episode. And that's why these direct commands are so powerful and so fast, right? So, you know, many times in my life, I've had the experience of getting to a point where I was ready for partnership and then saying like, I really want the woman to be this, 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 this. And she showed up within a week. Mm-hmm. As soon as I got to the point where I was like, this is exactly what I want. And I voiced it or wrote it down, usually both. Then it it just happened really quickly. And it's not like I knew it happened when it happened. It took me weeks or months to be like, oh, that exactly happened. So there's other direct commands that we could make. And this is another new beautiful habit that we could take on is like giving a direct command a few times a day or at least once a day or anytime we see that note, right? Absolutely. And I want to tie in another prime directive. Prime directive of the unconscious mind could be like a job description of the unconscious mind, which is it doesn't process negatives. So it doesn't, if you were to say... It processes only positives. Correct. (laughs) So if someone was to say... I don't want to keep eating croissants. I keep using them because they are right here. I don't know if they're on the camera. The unconscious mind here is, I want to keep eating croissants. It negates, it deletes the not. So if someone, for example, was like, I don't want to feel sad anymore. The unconscious mind is like, sad, here you go. Versus I want to feel happy. Or a great one that let us know this has happened to you. You meet someone. Hi, my name is Chloe. Hi, my name is Skip. Oh, I'm probably going to ask you your name again because I'm horrible with remembering names. So so many things are happening in my brain right now. <laughs> so it's when I meet people, they're like, hi, my name is Chloe. I'm like, what's your last name? I'm great at remembering last names. I never understood that until you just said that right there and i'm like oh you're telling your unconscious mind to focus on their last name mm-hmm. yep. and then i do remember both totally and i always say that and i hear a lot of people say i'm not good at remembering names i'm like that's so every weird. time they say that i'm like oh. oh yeah it's like a little cringe inside <laughs> right 
<laughs> and then just wait until we have augmented reality where you can just like have like a chat bubble pop up that doesn't interrupt the conversation, but it can just pop up and it can be like, click me later if you want to hear about my response to that. <laughs> well, sometimes what I'll do is I'll have an aha. I'll have some people call them a download and it'll be maybe I'm driving and it's like, OK, I'm not going to write this down. Unconscious might remind me of this when I get home. And you say that and it works every time. So you, I know you get ideas all the time. So please try this out. The world needs your ideas. And the unconscious mind will do it for you. Just like example of the sadness versus happiness. If it's like, okay, you read that text message or you get that phone call right before a big meeting and it kind of throws you off state a little bit. It's not something that you're really ready to work with and face. You can deal with it later. Basically, the unconscious mind can like put it on a shelf for you so that you can be present with the meaning at hand to your best of capabilities. And then the most ideal thing to do would be to, okay, meaning is done. I'm home and I'm, I'm in a safe place. Let's deal with that now. What too many of us might do is actually just never deal with it. So it stays on the shelf or it gets put in a nice package bow, stuffed somewhere else until something else happens that causes us to remember that thing. And so the unconscious mind wanting to preserve the body, if it's not a safe space to face, release that emotion, surrender to it, go through the movements, it'll put it on a shelf. It's protecting us. So our body is designed to heal and our body is perfect. I love that you say that. And so it's a matter of learning about it. It's a matter of getting into rapport with our conscious mind. Dr. or Erickson Milton used to say that any kind of illness that pops up is a result of the unconscious mind and conscious mind out of rapport. So a great metaphor for that is that your conscious mind is like the captain of a ship. The unconscious mind is the crew. So the conscious mind is directing the orders. Okay, we're going to go that way. Crew is like, cool, we're going that way. It's following direct orders from the conscious mind. Another way to think about it is the conscious mind is the goal setter. I want the helicopter. I want croissants, whatever it is. Unconscious mind is like, got it. And it goes to work attempting to make that happen. The unconscious mind is the goal getter. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I really want you to reinforce this idea for people of what you said there where it it doesn't process negatives something that i say all the time in class is the universe has or your unconscious mind the universe has no idea what your words mean mm -hmm. it only understands your energy so when you say i don't want sadness and you feel the sadness it says oh you want more of that and then it just pumps the accelerator and you say i want more joy it's like, oh, joy, pump more of that, like that type of energy, right? And that being said, so I want to, I want to like really hammer that home. Mm -hmm. And I, I want you to talk about that a bit more, the negatives versus the positives. Yeah. And I also want to reference what we talked about earlier with the difference between releasing energy versus moving energy, right? So you could say, I want to release anger, which means like, let it go. Or you could say, I want to like move anger into joy or into any any other emotion. And the important part for me, the symbolism of that, is that all of my joy can just as quickly become grief. And 
that grief can become whatever else I, my conscious mind wants it to become. Therefore, all of those emotions are beautiful because it's just my energy. And when you think about it that way, very few things become negative. However, there's also something I wanted to ask about, which is, doesn't this, isn't there a chance or like a risk of applying this in a thin way where it could become bypassing and you, and you could like ignore or, or you could like only ever see the bright side and, and things could be burning all around. You know that meme with the yes. dog where like everything's on fire. Like it's okay. Exactly. Perfect meme. So with the negatives, that's a big reason why one of the offerings, one of the things that I do with clients is I help people become non-smokers. So I help them quit smoking. And I say non-smoker because part of my conversations with them, I was just chatting with someone this week, this week or last week, and she was talking about how she's a smoker and she only she wants to quit and she only smokes this amount of cigarettes. And she it's a lot less than before. And I was like, okay, tell me what resonates. This sentence or this sentence. Are you a smoker who still smokes and is trying to quit? Or are you a non-smoker who's close to having no cigarettes in their life? She's like, oh, I'm still a smoker. It's like, cool. So that's where you want to focus in on. That's where our work would lie. So that's the negatives again. How are we identifying? Are we someone who is in the process of becoming a teacher? I'm in the process of building this business versus, oh, I'm just a nobody. I'm a newbie kind of idea. And also thinking about, whatever we make something mean is what it means whether it's oh cool let's play with this emotion let it move through us that kind of idea and so to the conversation about the differences in my perspective of releasing versus moving through the emotion it would be the difference of being able to be present with the emotion at hand and allowing it to move through your body not judging it observing it almost being like a vessel for if someone was to throw pour water through a straw what goes through to the other side being unattached to how it transforms even for some people it does look like anger into sadness and then a little bit of like oh fear comes up for some people it goes into joy and then back to grief and whatever way it goes it's kind of like let's see where it goes kind of idea so the releasing part the releasing i think of specifically to any kind of stagnant emotions or emotions that have past, more so past experiences that they're attached to versus the present moment so that you can be present with the emotions at hand and allow them to move through you. Releasing, I like the word surrender for it as well because it really is a surrendering. The unconscious mind is like, oh, cool. Let's release this. Let's surrender this back into the universe to be transmuted so that you can exist a little bit lighter a little bit more clear-headed and a little bit more of a new perspective on what is your current experience because many times the baggage tends to filter our perception of what is going on around us whether it's like oh man there's no good guys in san diego and that could be baggage whereas when they release any kind of limiting beliefs emotions related to that story same experience they're in it's maybe eight hours later and their perception is different whoa 
I know the right person will come in the exact right timing because the baggage is lifted. It's almost like the fog is cleared. My client put it. She's like, there was a fog wall and now it's gone. It's like, so that's great. What I'm hearing you say, skiptionaried, nice. is that if I had a partner for, let's just say, a year or two years who was late to everything and was really dismissive about their lateness and like disrespectful when they did arrive to other people that when I have a new partner in the future and they're late one time and every cell in my body is like, they're so disrespectful and they're going to be late to everything. And it just associates all of that past stuff to this new person for one time. And they're super apologetic and they're totally different than that other person that they can be different. And maybe I need to look at that and maybe need to allow those things to move in a different way to make it really clear for the listeners and watchers would you say that that is disproportionate to the reaction that quote unquote would be a proportion to that happening yes so that would be by definition emotional baggage and it's a great example of that yeah awesome so do you think it's possible that after we were done recording this interview that there would be like a one of those eight to ten minute emotional uh, breakthrough session like could we make a recording of that that they could hear that would potentially do something for them we could do the anxiety one i say the anxiety one because it's great you can utilize it for a specific event so I say that with the caveat of if someone does experience a lot of anxiety as a day-to-day experience, do this particular exercise with one specific event. Then after you're done, you could do it with another event. Anxiety is a future-based emotion. So you could think about a specific event of which you have anxiety about. That sense of nervousness. Maybe you can fill in your body. Maybe it's more mental. Maybe it's a meeting, a podcast interview, whatever it might be. Think of that one specific event and utilize the technique with that. That usually takes seven, maybe 10 minutes. And it's a really neat experience. The Let's see, tomorrow I'm actually focusing on creating an audio to share with more people because this would have been so helpful for myself back in the day where I was at a point where if someone asked me about having dinner two hours later it felt so overwhelming that i would actually cry and go into a freeze state because i was like what if i make the wrong decision which very disproportionate (laughs) and it was very paralyzing to choose anything because it felt like i was going to mess up everything so this is a technique that could have been very very helpful in addition to grounding, in addition to more conversations about my diet at the time, in addition to talking to me about birth control and the effects it has on the brain. So time and place, and I'm very grateful for the journey because it has caused me to dive deeper into all of what I've learned in these last years. That all being said, for everyone that's listening or watching this, so many of these things are, are really helpful and I am going to go back and listen to a lot of these different clips and start taking on a lot of these new things and, and looking even deeper than I've already looked into so many things that you've mentioned. I'm so grateful that you came on the show and that all being said, there's so much more to this mm-hmm. conversation, right? 
there's so much more to this because we referenced body language. So there's a physical component to it. And that's not just choice either. There's other things. You could have past injuries. You could have um, bones that just grew differently. It could be from like congenital. There's, there's all sorts of things that affect that. There's mental and physiological components where there's like different genetic things that could play a, a factor in it. All of these things are, are workable. However, they exist. So we're only covering like a very small portion and small part of the map of it. Although this is a very beautiful map that we're creating and that we've created through the episode and that you've shared with all of them. So like all of this is amazing and there's so much more. So when people fall in love with you by the end of this episode, where they're at now with us, how do they digitally stalk you? Where do they go? Like where, how do they get so much more of this? Say hi on Instagram. I love chatting with people there. I'm Dr. Chloe Holm on Instagram. So dr. C-H-L-O-E-H-O-M. And I'll be having a release anxiety audio ready on my website here soon. And that's chloeholm.com. Easy kind of rhymes. And as far as something that downloaded for me, thank you, Unconscious Mind. A process that we could leave your listeners and watchers with is something called VK dissociation. It's super duper cool, very quick. A lot of athletes like boxers use it actually to help them stay in the right state, not allow their emotions to override their experience and cloud their choices, cloud their experience at the present moment. Because if you think about it, boxers actually really need to stay neutral. And Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. So what you're saying is when you referenced the text message earlier that you didn't have time to deal with because you're going into a big meeting, this is a thing that I can do to neutralize just so I can get through the next however long I need to get through so that I can unpack that later. Totally. Do you have something that you could do it with right now? No, I'm I'm, I'm pretty good to my awareness. so chill. Yeah. So here's the process. What we're looking for, say, it's that text message right before the meeting and you're like, oh my gosh, not now of all the times. So you're charged up. Maybe it's a level 8 out of 10 as far as intensity goes. What you want to do is you can close your eyes or keep them open, whatever is most comfortable for you. If they are open, recommend them focused on a point in the distance. And I want you to get in touch. Just notice that charge in your body, your emotional state. Notice any sensations. And then I want you to float out of the picture so that you see yourself in the picture. You're almost seeing yourself in the moment that you are in now. So you see your body, you see the space you're in, you see yourself in the picture. So you dissociate from the present moment and you see your body in the picture. Notice what's around you. Notice how the feelings tend to lower. They might disappear completely depending on how intense the emotion is. And whenever you're ready, you could come back into the space, come back into the room. So when you dissociate, when you take a third-party view at yourself, When you see yourself in the picture, you almost like float up and I could see myself talking to you kind of idea instead of me looking through my own eyes and talking to you. It reduces the charge on the feelings that you're having in that moment. 
if someone wants to experience more of their feelings. For example, if someone's with their partner and they are sharing an intimate moment and what they tend to do is dissociate and they start thinking about to-do lists and checklists and what they didn't get done, they're in their head, they're not in their body, that's dissociating. So they tend to reduce their feelings and certain things might not be as easy. Things like climaxing, etc. And so if someone were in a boxing match and they become really agitated, man, this guy just keeps getting me in all these blind spots, then they get distracted, they might lose their focus, and what they have taught this technique to people like boxers is to dissociate. Okay, cool. Take a third-party look, dissociate. Boom, charge goes down, they're neutral, they're focused in front of them. They can almost have that third-party view and not allow themselves to move from emotion. When you move from neutrality, there's actually a lot more grounded power. There's something called the Map of Consciousness by Dr. David R. Hawkins. And what's neat is that the pivot point between a quote-unquote positive and negative feeling, a negative emotion, is courage. One above courage is neutrality. One below courage is pride. So when you embrace the courage to create that change, to face what's in front of you, to feel what you are actually desiring to feel or to declare and claim what you actually desire, you move into that space of neutrality and you can move up that map of consciousness to love. And what is so cool is that above love actually is joy. And I love how often you have mentioned that word because it's such a high vibrational emotion It's even higher than love, which is really neat on his map of consciousness. And so with that, circling it back around the power with what's called VK dissociation, visual and kinesthetic dissociation, is being able to reduce the charge on the emotions in the moment. If someone is having a really big charged event, they could do a double dissociation where they see themselves in the picture. So they kind of take another step back. And then another step back, they could be like a fly on the wall, seeing themselves, see themselves in the moment. And usually by then, neutral, zero charge. Very powerful, helps you to be present and actually take action from a grounded place. If you're a firefighter, you don't want to be acting from anger. I have validated this from firemen. They need to train themselves to be neutral, to not let their emotions overwrite them. So they have access to all their resources, mentally and physically and take the action they need. Beautiful. And that actually used just scriptionaried witness consciousness, which I mentioned earlier, which is a, you gave a very detailed view of, of what that could feel like and look like. And that exercise brings you to a place of that where you're, you're witnessing rather than being mm-hmm. whatever you're feeling. Like you aren't your, and you said this earlier too, you're not your thoughts. You're also not your emotions, right? And that it's, it's interesting because when you can pull away and dissociate from them, then you're like, oh, that's so interesting that you get to that place of neutrality almost instantly when with that dissociation exercise, which is what I felt. And I, I didn't have a lot of things going on, but it was interesting to then come back to it. So I have a lot of other questions, but thank you. This is great. We'll have to do another episode because now I've got the whole, that's a whole line of questions in itself, right? Of like... Just a lot, a lot of other stuff. So Mm. thank you so much for coming on the show. And I'll make sure to put all that stuff in the show notes and the anxiety recording and just all the ways to digitally stalk you. So 
Say hi. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>